0: This podcast is sponsored by Safe House Rehab Thailand, the premier drug and alcohol rehab dedicated to enhancing the science of recovery. First, a plug for my sponsor who has given me the opportunity to help the families and loved ones of alcoholics and addicts better understand the nature of the disease and what they can and shouldn't do about it, shouldn't try to do about it. We say in our podcast and blog that our primary goal is to help you make an informed decision at this critical stage of your life. Safe House Rehab Thailand represents the modern approach to recovery founded on safety, which is why we absolutely outperform traditional rehabs when it comes to intake and detox, technology, and aftercare. To learn more about our modern, advanced approach to recovery, we invite you to visit safehouserehab.com or send your questions and comments to info at safehouserehab.com. Hi, I'm Bruno Jay, and this is Season 6 of Episode 1 of Busting Addiction and Its Myths. I want to do a little brag here. We were recently named in the upper tier of Recovery Podcasts by Feedspot, a respected social media ratings firm, so we must be doing something right. As you may know, my purpose is to carry the message of hope and enlightenment primarily to the families of those who abuse drugs and alcohol and secondarily to those addicts and alcoholics who are closing in on accepting help or giving recovery their very first sincere try. One of the very first things a recovering addict sees after he wakes up and looks around is the damage he has unwittingly caused not only to himself directly, but also to his family indirectly. Painful just the same. That's why Frank's story is so relevant. He is lucky enough not to be one of us. That is, although he is neither addict nor alcoholic, he has seen and experienced the consequences of addiction and alcoholism in his family and among his closest friends. Frank, thank you for joining me as a fellow Canadian on our podcast today. And let's start with your early years and run through your education and career and where you are today. And you can start sharing your stories uh, uh, at the beginning when you were growing up in Ontario, as I recall.
1: It's a pleasure to be here. I hope that my stories help understand uh, what's going on with this problem with people with addictions. I'm in my late 60s, so I grew up in the 60s, and I had alcohol in my family all that time that I was growing up at home. The first instance I ever heard of the word alcoholic was one time my father was coming home home from Alliance Club meeting, and the speaker of the day was someone talking about alcoholism. And he said to us, Well, I guess I'm an alcoholic because I'm not gonna stop drinking.
0: And this was your dad saying this.
1: My, my father saying this, okay. yes. He never drank. He drank every day, but he didn't drink to excess. I wouldn't I personally wouldn't call him an alcoholic in the way that I've learned to see many other people that I would call alcoholics. Our life took a twist when I was 10 years old or so. My father had a very open affair with a lady that lived two doors down from us. And it took a while for my mother, who was really quite naive, but a lovely person, to get to know this. And when she did get to know it, she had to self-medicate to try and deal with it. And her drug of choice was beer. And she got into drinking beer every day, quite heavily, all the years that I remained at home. And my mother and father had a very rocky relationship after that. So it wasn't easy living at home. I might say that I was the youngest of three children. My older brothers were gone way before any of this really developed. And so I saw the effects of alcohol quite early in her.
0: How old were you when, you first, uh, when, when your dad uh, spoke at the Lions Club thing?
1: Oh, 10.
0: Okay. All
1: right. Around that age. And that was about when all of this went on, okay. a little bit later. Was,
0: was there chaos in the, before, uh, in the early years that you recall, before you were 10, like when you were little, little, like four and five?
1: No, okay. not that I would say, okay. no, no. Okay. We had a pretty, I had, I thought, a very happy childhood. Oh, okay. We were, lived in a small town. I, I think that's important. I was free to run around. Okay. You know, there was and no... where,
0: where, where were you? What town were you Street in? Street spill. In Ontario. In Ontario. Okay.
1: Which is now a suburb called Mississauga. Okay. And so, and my grandparents lived there. We were a happy little family. I thought everything was fine. My father dilly dallied around with the neighbor woman, and it really changed the whole aspect of our life.
0: So that upset your mother, and she turned to alcohol to soothe the pain.
1: I would assume that that's why. Okay. Yes. All yes. Right. All right. Not. I never really confronted her about it, but it was a, it was the elephant in the room, as it were. Okay.
0: Did y'all talk about any of that stuff at home? No, okay. never. No. Very typical, you know. Very yeah, typical. I'm sure. Okay.
1: Never talked about it. Okay. Um, it was it was a knowing look of disgust, you know.
0: Did he come home drunk? My father? Yeah. No. Okay.
1: Not always. Not always. Now, I have one story when he came home when I was. I was already experimenting with pot and other things. He came home, and he'd been at the golf club, and he came home piss-eyed drunk. And he said he had to drive with one hand over an eye (laughs) to keep himself on the road. And he said to me, maybe... What you're doing is better than what I'm doing. Okay. You know, the, the alcohol. So that the,
0: suggests that he knew about your pot smoking. Oh, of course he did. Yeah, okay. yeah. Do you smoke at home? Or? No, no, no. But it was well, well he, known. He knew.
1: He knew. He knew. Okay. And, he and You would, were
0: how old when you were when you first started smoking pot? Fourteen. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so all right.
1: It typical. It all was right. a yeah, and and that was maybe that was a result of moves. We lived in Streetsville till I was ten, and then we moved to Markham for t- three years, and then we moved to Ottawa. There were some changes in my relationships. I never had anybody that I knew for long periods of time. My life was in stages. I grew up in Streetsville till I was 10. We moved to Markham for a few years, and then we moved to Ottawa. So I never had any friends from my very early years that I knew my whole life. They're all gone. I had no one I could really go back to that was Davey, who was my neighbor. He disappeared when I moved. So I never, mm. I never had anyone that I could confide in. Okay. And all those years when the alcohol in, with my mother got worse, there was no one that I could really talk to. Okay. My family weren't interested in hearing anything about it.
0: Did your mother isolate or was she social?
1: Oh, definitely isolated.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right.
1: Definitely. There was times when she did things like went curling and and played broomball, but they usually ended up with an accident, a broken wrist or okay. some problem. You know, she tried to motivate herself, but ended up hurting herself.
0: So typical of families like that, the kids don't want to bring anybody home. Definitely not. Okay.
1: Definitely not. Okay. After, no... After I moved from Streetsville, I never had any of my friends come home. Okay. Never. No, that that was an ugly scene. So then I left the house then. So I'm 15 years old. Okay. And I move out of the house because I can't take it anymore. Okay. I don't want to see my mother drunk. I don't want to see the relationship that she has with my father. So I move out and I move downtown Ottawa and I take care of myself. Wow. And that involved the usual things when one is 15 years old and living in a house with 15 other people. We were drug dealers.
0: Yeah, that's how you made your money, so you could afford the rent, right? Yes. Okay. We all... Were you going to school or not? I started.
1: I started to go to school after I moved out. I did maybe three months and then I quit. It was enough. I realized that I could make so much money. Why do I, at that age, why do I need to go to school when I can make, X amount of money every month.
0: Did your mom or dad try to find you or reconcile with you or anything? They always
1: knew where I was. Oh, okay. It wasn't. I wasn't gone.
0: Right. Okay. I talked to my father. Yeah. Um, but they sound like they were, didn't resist you leaving.
1: No, not at all. Okay. No, they let me go. Okay. Um, and I did go back for a short period of time. I went and worked with my father for a summer as I had in previous summers when I was busy in his business. So there was a relationship there, but I never went home again. I never stayed home again after that. Then I of course started experimenting in product and basically did the gamut, you know. I can say that I've tried everything, at least once, sometimes <laughs> for extended periods.
0: Examples. Audience.
1: Uh, before I left the house, before I moved downtown, a friend of mine and I were into amphetamines. We used to inject amphetamines, mm-hmm. and we did a run for six months or so. So I got very sick. I got uh, a number of things. I have mononucleosis, hepatitis, and... Uh, it, I had hepatitis as well. All three
0: at once. And you're how old at this point? 18.
1: No, no, God no. This is all. This is still 14, 15, 16. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm banging it away. Okay. And we had a great time, my friend and I. What we thought was a great time. You know, we would go downtown, score some drugs, go watch a band, go to the the after hours clubs. Way underage. Way underage. Go to Hull and drink beer. Again, way Hull under is it. in Quebec,
0: across yes. the river.
1: Then alcohol was a little bit easier to get in Holland. and okay. everyone turned a blind eye. Okay. So there was alcohol, there was amphetamines, there was marijuana. That was really the first run at it. I got sick, but I was still at home. I went to bed for what I learned afterwards was six weeks. I was in bed and pretty well out of it. Tried to go back to school, but I was left through out too long and I failed a year. So now I'm behind in this. And I was always a proud student before when I was very young. Got very good grades. Into the hockey. I played lots of hockey. But once the drugs took over, then the hockey went to the side and mm-hmm. the education went to the side. Yeah,
0: okay. Sure.
1: Because the drugs were more important. Okay. And then I moved out and uh, drugs became the... The focus,
0: right? Came everything. Yeah,
1: yeah. because I made okay. money on it, and then sure. we had partied on it, and so that went on for quite a few years.
0: Okay, so next chapter.
1: Next chapter. So now I'm now I'm in my early twenties, and I've been continuing this whole life of I've been working small jobs to legitimize the cash that I was having again partying. Some friends came into my life that were true addicts and introduced me to things like morphine and heroin, which I chipped at but never got serious with. Okay. But they were raging and some of them were staying with me intermittently, just okay. they had access to my where I lived and They would come and go, and I was okay with it. But they were crazed.
0: So heroin and what else? Morphine. Oh, morphine. Oh, so serious opiates. Yes, sure. Okay.
1: And that went on for a few years. I had a few girlfriends, live-in girlfriends, and they shared the the spoils. (laughs) They would smoke all my dope, and I'd find them at home with a house full of people when I came back, (laughs) which was all okay. You know, it was was the times. It was, you know, mid-70s, and it was okay. Everything was fine, whatever happened. We were a pretty big group, you know, 20, 30 people that would hang around together. I got further into the drug dealing, got deeper with some very bad people because... That was the steps that happened, you know, you mm-hmm. you start with people you know, and they introduce you to other people, and and some bad times happened, the, the guns pointed in my face, and that happened a few times. So but,
0: describe an incident like that. I mean, it's very interesting to people who haven't been exposed to the sort of underbelly.
1: Well, okay, I was <clears throat> buying marijuana one of the first times i was buying marijuana and this neighbor of mine when we were living 15 in a house he lived around the corner he was part of the the deals would go in and out you know i'd sell things to him he'd sell things to me that was what happened and then he got he said oh i got this great connection and a word to the a word to the unwise never do a drug deal outside of a house we were in a car, and of course, the guys in the front seat turned around and stuck the gun in my face and said, just give us the money, you know, that's that's it. And of course, my friend is all a, f- a flush, you know, oh, what's this? He doesn't know anything. Of course, he was in on it. It was all just a setup for me to steal my money. I was considered to be a naive dealer at those How much
0: days. money? Mm, $15,000. Oh, okay, serious money.
1: Serious money for uh, the mid seventies. So mid-70s. you're twenty
0: 20-some-odd years old, and you're do- doing deals at fifteen thousand dollars a crack or more. Or more. Okay.
1: Yeah. Buying buying quite a quite a large amount.
0: What were you buying? Marijuana.
1: Marijuana and hashish. Hashish particularly. Cash. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But it would be it wouldn't be just for me. I would be putting a deal together and getting some cash from other people and buying. So are
0: kind of wholesaling at that point. Middling, I yeah. would call it. Okay. Middling. middling. Okay. And I
1: would end up with product and not cash. Okay. I would buy whatever I could for the, all the money that I got. I'd buy all that much drugs and then sell the drugs and live. Okay, got it. And then, of course, things escalated and got into the cocaine dealing. And the problem with cocaine is that if it's in the house, I want to do it.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: And you had said that I wasn't an addict. But I would consider myself to be a sporadic addict. Okay. If it's there, and I know it's there, I'm going to do it okay. until it's gone. Okay. But I don't have to go out and get more.
0: Okay. okay. And so I would be... You know, it's really hard to label people because, um, you know, the, the classic medical or the clini- clinical uh, definition of a drug abuser or an addict is someone who is... Consistently uses it uh, at the price of everything else on a regular basis, but that's on a spectrum, right? Hmm. And so some of us fall in the middle, some of us don't do it at all, and people like me, and that my audience knows me, is it's an all-or-nothing proposition. But it sounded to me like you could—it was almost like a take-it-or-leave-it for you.
1: Yes, definitely. When it was there, it was take it.
0: Okay. And then but I would, you didn't jones and go out and try to find it. Not very often. Because you had it anyway, right?
1: It was available if I wanted it. I didn't have to go and get it. Okay. It was okay. always business first. Okay. Got and it. part That's of the business point. was good point. Part of the business was socializing. So okay. people would come to my house. Right. I'd sell them something. Right. We'd do something.
0: You'd hang around and
1: they'd hang around. They'd do all my drugs. They'd go off with their drugs and never <laughs> do anything. <which laughs> but they was, leave
0: you with some money. Yeah, they'd always leave you with some money. <laughs> okay so now this all right. so you you
1: know you're you're talking about my family so all the time that this is going on my middle brother he had the the effects of my parents on the side he was married quite young and uh, he was married when he was 15 And He was 16 and his wife was 15. So they were very young. They lived with us for a while. But he became the alcoholic in the family after my parents passed. And he became worse. Now he would be what I would call a real alcoholic. He had no consideration for family, but he did consider his job. And he would go to work. He became a, in a major company, he became the SAT specialist and introduced, rolled new companies into their big mother company. And they, everyone in the company knew him to be
0: the guy. So this is mergers and acquisitions. Definitely. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah. And even to the point when I was times at his house visiting him, some, one of his Colleagues would call and ask about a problem, and he'd be able to say, so which page are you on on your computer? Okay, go back three screens. You see that in the bottom corner? Hit that. Do this, do that, do that. He'd solve the problem. Mm. But he was drinking heavily, heavily after work. So he went through the first wife. They divorced. And he married... Another woman, a younger woman, who was very gregacious and very sexy and sort of fit his fantasy of what the wife should be. Well, he ended up hitting her, and that was the end of that marriage, after two children and the boat and the retirement. I always looked up to him.
0: How long was he married to Number Two? He had a couple of kids. Five years. Okay.
1: And a great life, you know. Had a, the big yacht in downtown Toronto.
0: Mm.
1: You know, had the huge salary, but raged at the yacht club. Raged, heavy alcohol abuse.
0: So when he you say raged. Was he a violent person? No, I
1: mean he was on top of the bloody, game.
0: Oh, I and he it. was okay. the big guy. He okay. was the,
1: the right. you know, head of the party. Okay. He knew all the people. He knew all the stories. He was a player. Definitely. So his marriage broke up. Now we'll go fast forward since we're talking about him. So now I've done a few things. I've come to Thailand, met a woman, married her, went back to Canada, was living a very quiet life, had a child, doing my work out of the drug business, basically. And he's calling me up and crying on the phone
0: about uh, what, his... What, what year was this, roughly, do you think? Do you remember? This part. Yeah, the part where he's calling you and things have gone to this hell. This is the
1: mid-'80s. Okay. Mid-'80s, yeah.
0: And that's when you had, and we'll go back to your story in a minute, but uh, that's when you, about the time that you moved to Thailand and got married? I
1: moved to Thailand, got married, went back to Canada, came back to Thailand, and then went back and settled down. Okay. So now it's, it's 89. Okay. And so this is when he's calling me. Okay. And he's now living in a small room by himself, drinking himself into comas every day.
0: What happened to him then? What was that downward path from being, you know, the man to... The breakup
1: of his marriage took him, you know, because okay. he, of course, he knew our marriage, my, my, my parents' marriage. And he saw that fall apart, oh, and now okay. he's re- realizing that he's emulating my mother, okay. and the whole thing's falling apart, okay. and he's
0: crying in his soup. All right, so that's that's what we call sometimes the ripple effect. Yeah. Right. Definitely.
1: Okay. So he would call me. I try and console him. Well, one time he's now he's he can't he can't cope anymore. So, so I he's have lost
0: to... his job and his position and his ah, mo- money. it's all gone.
1: Yeah, it's all gone.
0: It's all gone. And... He's on a pension,
1: but it's minimal. Okay.
0: So he became dysfunctional then, essentially. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: He's destroyed two marriages. His kids all hate him. So he calls me to to rescue him because he's already, his kids won't go and help him anymore. He's fucked them up too badly.
0: Yeah.
1: So I drove from Ottawa to Toronto, got him out of the booze, took a big bag of pot. Sit down here. We're going to smoke pot. You need some stimulant. We'll smoke the pot. You're not going to drink. You can eat as much as you want. I fed him and fed him and fed him, trying to break him of this cycle. I knew that it was not going to happen, but at least I could give him hope. Right. I was there for a week and didn't go to work. And then I decided, well, come with us. Come live with us, with my wife and my daughter.
0: In? In Ottawa. Ottawa. Oh, in Ottawa. Yeah, so
1: we drove back to my house and we brought him into the house. And he said that he wouldn't drink anymore. Well, that only lasted a very short time. Sure. And he would say, well, I'm going to just get a six-pack. You know, a six-pack and I'll have it every couple of days. Well, then he found out where the bars were and he went to the bars and got the six-pack and now he's stumbling drunk again.
0: In a short period of time. In a short period of time, yes.
1: And even, even though we try to help him by giving them a good family atmosphere, right? good food, you know, yeah. I was with Try them. Trying to on,
0: normalize them.
1: Trying to normalize them, but okay. it was gone from the, just. Okay. So I tried, I tried best I could. And then, so finally it was like, no, you can't stay here anymore. Uh-huh. You're just disrupting our family.
0: Did you have, was your daughter born yet at that point? Or yeah, no,
1: she was yeah. living, she was probably uh, five or okay. six years old at that very time. Very serious
0: situation. Very, very serious, very, yes. yeah. Okay.
1: And, I, as I say, I always looked up to him, and I always tried to help him, because he was my idol.
0: How when, much when older was he than you? He's six years older okay. than me. Okay, perfect. Okay.
1: And he was in the volunteer fire department, and his kids were the hockey guys, and he was, you know, Interesting.
0: Was, one hell of a guy. Just one hell of a guy. All the way around. All the way around. All the way to the top. Smart, all grade to 10 education, yep. and went to the top. Boom. And then hmm. boomed out. Yeah. How long did it take for him to go from the very top to the very bottom?
1: It depends. I think that the alcohol was always present. Right. You know, and he was a part of his friends and his friends. They all drank. And they all right. drank to excess. Right. But it was like the party. And they right. didn't drink Monday morning. They right. didn't drink Tuesday night. Right. They they yeah. just had their parties and they went. Right. And that just rolled. Now, whether it is genetic, my mother's, you know, me, we are we are weak characters as we all have these issues. Uh, anyway, I tried. I tried.
0: So you asked him to leave at that point.
1: Yeah. And we basically separated. We didn't know each other for years. Where did he go? He went back to the little apartment. Okay. And tried to just get by, okay. which he did. Okay. The kids, his kids still didn't have anything to do with him. And if we continue is with he, his...
0: Is he alive today or not?
1: Yeah. If we continue with his story, Okay. I moved back to Thailand. I said to him, if you want... Come over, and I'll show you. Okay. And he had said... He swore up and down that he'd quit drinking. I've stopped drinking. I don't know. Okay, come. So him and I went to the beach, and we spent a couple of months, actually, in a small beach town.
0: So he came over to Thailand?
1: He came over to Thailand. Okay. And I was taking care of him. Okay. He was drinking small amount. This... I was okay with him having a couple of beers... I just didn't want him to be the fall-down drunk Mm
0: -hmm. because it was... You could tolerate him drinking some, but not to excess. Exactly. Okay.
1: So the thing that tipped the balance in that time was that I went out and spent a night elsewhere and went grocery shopping in the morning to come back. And grocery shopping, I thought, oh... He'll like this,
0: right. buying things for my brother. So now, is your wife and, are your wife and daughter in Thailand with you at this point? They're not. No, no. Okay, they're is, back in Canada. Yeah. Okay.
1: And so I tried to get things that he'd like and okay. have a good time with them, mm-hmm. right? Normal. Yeah. So I arrived back at the place we were staying, and I open the gates, and what do I see but a line of shit all the way in the floor... Going into the into the townhouse that we lived in, okay, dried shit It had obviously been there for days oh
0: my or God. a couple of days because oh I was God. gone for a
1: couple of days, and him just passed out.
0: What's your brother's name? Uh pseudonym please. John. John.
1: Okay. So that was the end. You know, I can't deal with this anymore. I've tried. I've tried, and he's like, "Oh, I would have cleaned." Well, no, no, no. You can't do this and think that you're just going to explain it away. I'd had enough. So that was fundamentally the end of my relationship with him.
0: So he went back to?
1: He went back to Canada. He now is living with his second daughter. They're tolerating him. He can't walk. He's spent.
0: Is he in his late 60s now?
1: No, he's in his mid-70s now. Oh, okay. So I've seen the ravages of the alcohol too—not okay. just—not just, not just right. the parties, not just right. the thing. I've seen it take a very vibrant human being who was a guy and make him into a slobbering, shitting imbecile.
0: Well, that is a story of the high and the low and the bottoming out. But he is—what is your guess as to what he is doing now?
1: Substance he, just. Drinking a little bit, you okay. know.
0: Still drinking. Oh, I would hasn't, imagine hasn't awakened and accepted. There will help. be no,
1: there will be no awakening with, for him. He will just drink until he dies.
0: Did you? Uh, and this is just an example of the resistance or denial, I suppose. Did you? Did you have it? Try to have a conversation with him about accepting help or checking himself in or getting medical help or whatever.
1: Sure. When I went down to rescue him, he called me crying on the phone. I went down and. We were smoking dope, and I said, isn't there some place we can go? Isn't there some people that will support you here? Right. But he said there wasn't. He didn't want to go to a facility. He couldn't afford a facility.
0: Did he deny that he had a problem? No. Never. He knew he had a problem. He knew he had a problem. Sure. He just didn't do anything. And accepted it. Okay, okay. So it was one of those, and you see this often enough, it's like, I'm an alcoholic, I can't help it, screw it. It's just Yeah,
1: feel, feel sorry for
0: me. Yeah, you know? okay, yeah. got it. But yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna surrender. I'm not gonna accept help. I'm either. not gonna help myself okay. either. No, okay. No. Was he depressed a lot?
1: I don't know that I'd say he was depressed. No. Okay. I think that he just accepted it and drank and smoked his cigarettes, did his crossword puzzles, and that was just another day. That was his zone.
0: Yeah. Sure. Okay. All right.
1: Very, very intelligent guy. Too right.
0: bad. Okay. Uh, next chapter. Wherever you want to go, man. Well,
1: uh, in in this time, maybe we can go, I'm going to go back in time again, back to when I was living in Ottawa with, okay. and doing all these things. I met many people then, and one of them, I'll call him Ben. Ben was a go-getter. He had always had the old truck that he fixed up, or the Volvo that was the cutest fastest. He was a carpenter. He was a general contractor. He knew his stuff. He was good at his stuff. But he chipped because he was part of our group. Chipped the... Chipped heroin? No, no. Chipped the cocaine. And and he would... He lived out, out of town. He lived in a small town outside of Ottawa. So he would commute to work.
0: Okay.
1: And he was part of my network as well so he would be picking things up and delivering things on his way back home which Mm was 100 kilometers from okay so you know he'd come and see me and he'd laugh and he'd say you know I just drove in from wherever he was wherever that town was he said I stopped under every overpass and did a line (laughs) and thought it was wonderful you know then they just keep going. Now Ben was, he was a fairly smart, wonderful guy, sincere. He started to drink a lot, started to do more drugs. His work went down a little bit.
0: He's in his 20s at this point?
1: He's much older than me. He's probably eight years older than me, so he's in his...
0: 30s? Yeah, early 30s. Okay.
1: He destroys a marriage. Um, his wife is wonderful but she just can't take the madness, you know, the, the the raging. He's raging the other way. He's doing too much drugs and too much alcohol. Coming onto job sites just whipped. You could tell that he'd been up all night and do another line. Come on, we'll do a line before we start laying this concrete.
0: I got it. So he's a contractor? Yeah. Good size. Yeah, and he's okay. still
1: managing to do his work but it's going down. Okay. The, the guys that he's bringing in aren't uh, the quality guys anymore because he's trying to save money for got it. himself.
0: Okay. So the quality of his work is going down.
1: Yeah. And so it's bringing all of us down as well because we're trying to maintain him and and do a good job for the customer. When I saw him hit the bottom, we had another friend, a mutual friend, who had one of his children get married.
0: Tell, tell me what that bottom looked like for... for for Ben. Okay, you'll get there.
1: So, as I said, a mutual friend, his family had a wedding, and there was leftover alcohol that went and got put in my friend's garage. Okay. And we were all part of this, as you can imagine. We're a group, and we, after the wedding, we're moving the alcohol, and it's gone there. Well, what happens is the booze is all gone. And Ben had gone and drunk all of that
0: booze just because... In a short period of time.
1: Gone. There was a lot. There was a case of booze, and it was gone.
0: A case of Twelve liquor. bottles of assorted of stuff. Liquor. Yeah, of liquor. Yeah. Yeah. These are the 750s, right? Or yeah. quarts, almost. Yeah, 750s, like, yeah. Or close to... So
1: he's drank it all. That was the bottom. That's when we all went, you're stealing now. You're not just doing drinking. this... You, you're, it's taken you to this new level of stealing. Right, you need help.
0: All bets are off. He did go. He, he did. Hit.
1: He did go. Where did he go? To the uh, Royal Ottawa Hospital. Okay. And he dried out for a period.
0: Okay. He did they out. have an alcohol drug treatment facility there, or was it just a standard?
1: It's the Royal Ottawa Hospital.
0: So it's...
1: Standard, I would imagine. Okay, yeah. okay. A facility, but yeah. Okay. But a government's okay. funds funded one. Sure. He got out. It didn't take long for him to creep back into that kind of... His old behaviors. What saved him was a woman. An older woman who took him under her wing... Because she realized how much of a wonderful guy he was. Okay. And that the alcohol was destroying him.
0: So she really cared about him.
1: She really cared about him. And she helped him. Okay. And he was at the bottom. And I can say today, he's a multimillionaire. Oh. Huh. She, in the last 20 plus years, yeah, 25 years, I guess, um... They bought condos and apartment buildings. He got back into being the contractor. So now he's got all these buildings.
0: He stopped drinking and doing drugs? He stopped drinking and
1: doing drugs. And him and I could go away together in that period, go to the cottage, and we never even thought about drinking or doing drugs.
0: So what do you think she... Did she do something for him or did he see the light in her? What's your take?
1: My take is that she was, one, a very strong woman. Okay. High government Okay. Employer. All right.
0: So she may have provided some structure for him.
1: She provided the structure. She gave him direction. Okay. She put up with no shit.
0: Okay. All or nothing deal, right?
1: All or nothing deal. Okay. And the only times that he ever fell off the wagon was when she was gone.
0: Okay. That's a good point, isn't it? And... So structure in recovery could be vital.
1: I would think so, yeah. Okay. And that was the strength. Her strength brought him through. Right. So... When she was gone, he called call me crying, and I lost the cat, I lost the cat, oh, okay. and he drank half a bottle of whiskey, and right. I'd go over, and I have to tell everybody this, my time with alcoholics is, it's your life. You want to sit down and drink a bottle of whiskey, and you're asking me to drink a bottle of whiskey with you, I'll sit down and drink a bottle of whiskey with you.
0: Right.
1: I have no qualms about that. Right. It's your life.
0: I'll sit and we'll it's talk our decision.
1: And we'll talk about it, you know, are you sure this is a good idea? Sure. Let's go. So we finished the bottle of whiskey and right. he cried about his cat and
0: That's a funny story.
1: But you know what? The cat was
0: under the bed. Okay, that's even funnier now. <laughs> so it sounds to me as if from your perspective, you really care about people, but you you know where the boundaries are for yourself, right? I mean, they 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 are unlikely to draw you into their world because you still have boundaries for yourself, even though you might share the whiskey with them, right? Because I mean, I, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but
1: I I know I knew my own strengths. How's that? I still do. I know my own strengths, and if someone was like that and wants to drink or wants to do drugs, I'll be right there if they want to do it, right? And I'll.
0: Party along but with you, can, but you can take it or leave it in principle, right? Yes, I can. Okay, All right.
1: In principle, yes.
0: That's a great story, <laughs> Ben. Oh goodness, and and his and his uh, did they did, did did they marry?
1: Oh yes, they married, and okay. she had some kids from a previous marriage, and he's taken their now her grandchildren. It's a big, happy family. He has
0: children too. He you has
1: it's very funny. He has a child that him up one day.
0: That he didn't know about.
1: That he didn't know about <laughs> from I'm his wild days. You're my dad. And they're very close now. He's I love got, this. He's got, he's got children, grandchildren. I
0: love this. And so all of been, a sudden he's got six extra yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah. Knock, know. knock, knock. Oh. Guess
1: what? I'm your son. I've oh, got think, a son.
0: Oh, man. Uh, it's funny.
1: And those were days, those were the wild days that he, you know, probably had you know, a short-term affair or just a one-night stand with someone and they made a child. Well, there's an
0: example of the hidden ripple effect.
1: Definitely, yes.
0: (laughs) It comes back to
1: knock on the door.
0: (laughs) door. Beautiful.
1: And so there's many more. How about there's many more people?
0: Okay, well, just keep talking. Tune in next week for the next episode of Busting Addiction and its Myths, or well, we now have our weekly episodes titled by topic for you to search and download at your leisure, all in the interest of busting some myths and bringing you the truth about the face of addiction and alcoholism today.